Well, today we're wrapping up the series, How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And uh, I know for me, it's been uh, very timely, and, and I hope for others of you that have been going through some challenges that it's been helpful as well. But, you know, on the way here, I was, I was praying, and I said, God, help us. It's so easy to hear God's word, God's truth, especially if it's a familiar story like, like today's uh, passages from Scripture are. It's so easy to just hear it and even know it and so hard to apply it when the crisis comes in our lives. That's why I was so impressed with seeing God's peace upon Bob and Kathy. He was saying, okay, the rubber is meeting the road. And they're able to experience God's peace. So my, my prayer is today, as we look at John chapter 11, that it, it truly will be something. And that's why today I didn't print the verses. There's too many of them to even print in your outline. But I, but I put just lots of fill-in-the-blanks for you today. And even if you don't normally take notes, uh, Valerie takes notes whether there's fill-in-the-blanks or not. But even if you don't, I, I want to encourage you to do that this morning because th- th- this is going to be something to look back to when we face the same exact kind of things that we're going to see today, it's something we can look back to and go, okay, I need to remember this. Okay, this is God's word. Okay, this is true. I need to do this. I need to hold on to this. I need to hang on to this. And it's something you really can share with someone else because we all know people that are going through hard times or we know people that are going to go through hard times. And so I just really hope that this will change us, change our lives, and help us uh, use God's word to change others' lives as well. If you've got your Bible, look with uh, John chapter 11. We're going to start in uh, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He had to be very, very sick, terminally ill for them to have, uh, you know, sent a message to Jesus. Uh, Very sick is what we hear here, but uh, Jesus' response in verse 4 is just fascinating. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He wasn't there. He wasn't in the same town. He hadn't seen him while he was sick. He didn't know how bad it had progressed. I just saw something right before church this morning on Facebook that uh, dear friends of ours, Ernie and Jill Vandenberg, Ernie was one of the deacons at Sherwood Park uh, Baptist Church when I first went there and stayed for a number of years and then moved uh, up to Michigan. And, and Valerie just noticed recently that Ernie was sick, maybe had some type of cancer. Well, you know, they were planning on moving back down here and, and just had lots of plans over the next year or two. Well, I just, just saw on Facebook his daughter posting that Ernie's in his last hours, uh, possibly his last day, and this was posted yesterday. And it just broke my heart because Ernie was so 
kind to me. He stood next to – Ernie was the quietest guy, the least confrontational guy, and there were times when Ernie fought for me. Ernie stood alongside and said, no. And he was just a huge blessing to me. Good news is, Ernie's going to be with Jesus today or tomorrow. You might already have left this earth. But when I heard that news, it's sad. It, 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 it broke my heart. Because we had just heard that he was this sick, not knowing even that it was terminal. And it broke my heart. But when Jesus heard this, he just said, eh, he's not going to die. You ever had somebody like that? Like, it doesn't matter how bad you hurt. Oh, I'm really, oh you'll be all right. Well, I mean, you kind of hear this and think, well, it's not very sensitive of Jesus, was it? It almost sounds kind of mean, but, but here's the deal, and it's, it's your first fill in there, is that Jesus knew the end result. Jesus knew, he got the word, Lazarus is sick, but Jesus knew what the end result was going to be. It's just like last week when Jesus said to the disciples, let's, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. He knew they were going to the other side of the lake. They freaked out when the storms came, but Jesus didn't freak out because he knew they were going to the other side of the lake. He knew no matter how bad the storm got, no matter how strong the wind blew, no matter how much water came over the boat, he knew they weren't going to die. They were going to go to the other side of the lake. And it's the same thing here. Jesus doesn't get all freaked out about it because he said, yeah, he's not going to die. His sickness will not end in death. Then look what he says. No, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says there's a purpose for Lazarus being sick. There's a purpose for Lazarus being really, really, really sick. And the purpose is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God, that's Jesus, will receive glory from this. When you're going through a crisis, remember, God can be glorified through your crisis, through your sickness, through your pain, through your troubles. God can be glorified through what's going on with you. And that's hard for us because when we're going through something, where is all of our focus and attention? It's on us, right? If I'm going through this, oh my gosh, I'm going through this. You know, when we're sitting Thursday in this uh, neurosurgeon's office at Tampa General Hospital and, you know, she comes in and there's like no big deal to her. And she says, there's nothing we can do for you. It's like a big deal to me. And all I could think about was me, me, me. I'm hurting. I'm, you just ask what's. Where's your pain? I said, nine, and it's been there all week. And she said, well, good luck, God bless, have a nice life. Now, she wasn't mean like that, but I mean, to her, she's got to go see somebody else in the next room and somebody else in the next room and somebody else in the next room. When we're going through something, our entire focus becomes on ourselves, the way I feel, my feelings, my pain, my finances, my health, my whatever it is. It's very hard for us when we're going through something to turn our attention to God and say, how could God be glorified through what I'm going through? 
that's the exact question we need to ask. We need to say, okay, this is not good. If I could write the book, I wouldn't be writing this page this way. I wouldn't be having this pain. I wouldn't be going through this. My friend Ernie wouldn't be dying. I would if I I wouldn't have it. But when we turn instead our focus not on our pain, our crisis, not on our friend or family member's pain or crisis, but when we turn our focus to God and say, God, you'll be glorified through this. That some way, through this tragedy, you will receive glory. What if we ask that question? Every time we're having a problem, what if we ask the question, God, how do you want to be glorified through this? How can I intentionally glorify you through what I'm going through? What if we looked for ways to glorify God in our circumstances? Wouldn't that change everything? Have any of you ever seen uh, old, uh, he's old now, evangelist David Ring? David lived in Orlando, and David used to travel probably back in the 70s and 80s all, all over the world. Uh, I think he went to First Baptist of Orlando, maybe, and, and uh, David had uh, cerebral palsy. And so he couldn't walk well. He, he dragged one foot and really had trouble walking, and he couldn't speak clearly. Uh, his speech was very, very affected. And I love, David would always just say, I got, and he would take him several minutes to say it, I got cerebral palsy, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? David looked at his health problems and he said, how can I glorify God through this? And so he spent... His life traveling the world telling the good news about Jesus Christ. If David was healthy, if David didn't have those physical problems, nobody would have heard about him. Nobody would have come to see him. Nick, who we watched the video of from just a few weeks ago with, with, with no uh, lower half to his body. Would anybody know who this guy is if it wasn't for that? Would anybody have ever come to Christ through his testimony if it wasn't for that? Would 100,000 people come to a stadium in another country to see this guy speak? If he had both halves of his body? No. But Nick and David and God wants us to learn this too. Said, okay, here's the, here's the problem. I didn't pick it. I'd rather not have it. But how can God use me? Because of this circumstance, how can God use me through this crisis? How can I glorify God not even despite my circumstances, but because of my circumstances. Because of my circumstances. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Listen, just because Jesus doesn't immediately respond, doesn't mean he doesn't care about doesn't mean he doesn't love you. If we were honest, I think all of us would say we felt that way, though. I've been praying and God's not answering. I've been asking and God's not showing. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been. 
just because he hasn't responded yet doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They were his friends. They were his good friends. They're the ones he hung out at their house when he was traveling. They were close friends. He loved them and he cared about them. And he loves you and he cares about you. And just because he doesn't respond, just because you don't see that answer to your prayer, just because you think, I, I just, I don't think he's here. I don't think he cares. Doesn't mean that he doesn't. He does love you. He does care about what you're going through. Verse 8. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? See, all along during this, if you read John chapter 10, they're out to get Jesus. I mean, they're trying to trick him. They're asking quite, it doesn't matter what the answer is. It's the wrong answer. You know, if he, it doesn't matter what he says. They want to use that to try to trap him, to try to have him arrested, to try to have him executed. They are out to get him. And his disciples wisely said, you really think we should go back there right now? You know, that was just a couple of days ago. Those guys are still out to get you. They're still probably trying to figure out where you are right now. But verse 9, Jesus replied, there's 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'll go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. Right? I mean, when somebody's sick, if you've been sick, what, what, what's the best thing? What feels better to you than anything else? Oh, I had a great nap. Oh, I had a good night's sleep. When you're feeling bad, there's nothing more refreshing than thinking, I really slept good. I remember going to a counselor once, a Christian counselor, and, and after one of our sessions, he, he said, how can I pray for you? I said, pray that I'll be able to sleep. Pray that I'll be able to sleep tonight. Pray that I'll be able to really have a good night's sleep. And he looked at me like, what? You got, you got much bigger problems than that. And I thought, oh, I know. That's why I'm not sleeping. But he prayed that I'll sleep. Because no matter how big the problems are, when you have a good night's sleep, you just feel better. So the disciples are thinking, oh, good. Lazarus is resting. Oh, good. He needs his rest. They're thinking he's on the men's. They're thinking he's getting better. That wasn't the case, was it? If he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. <coughs> so he told them plainly, sorry. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. No, he's not getting his beauty sleep. No, he's not recuperating. Lazarus is dead. See, Jesus already know how bad that situation was. Nobody came and told him Lazarus was dead. He knew it. The only message he'd gotten was, Lazarus is sick. He's very sick. But he knew that Lazarus had died. Nobody had to come tell him that. He already knew how bad the situation was. He already knows how bad your situation is, too. That doesn't mean don't go tell him. That doesn't mean don't pray. Don't say, God, please, come, please. But no, it doesn't mean that. But he already knows. He already knows. He's God. He's God.
And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Anybody enjoy seeing dead people at a funeral? I still remember doing a funeral and they'd ask this lady to sing a a special song solo. And she told me, she goes, is there going to be a casket there? This lady, like, probably late 20s or something. I said, yeah. Is it going to be open? I said, yeah, that's their plans. I've, I've never seen a dead body before. And I thought, Huh, that's interesting. But, you know, every funeral used to have a casket. Every funeral used to have an open casket. I mean, for years and years and years and years. And and then as cremations become more popular and different different things have changed, and it dawned on me, she's never been to a funeral. Like, I remember my first one. I remember, you know, no. But, But when she had that horrified look, I thought, you know, you're right. I I can't stand to go and see somebody's dead body in a casket either. It's like, uh, okay. And, you know, if you don't go up front, then the family comes and says, doesn't she look beautiful? No, she's dead. Oh, don't, doesn't she just look better? No, he doesn't look good. He's dead. Oh, look at Bob. Doesn't Bob just... Bob never wore makeup before. Why is he wearing it now? You know, Ruth... When your husband dies, and if Dave Steinleitner was here this morning, I'd say the same thing to Dave. If you have an open casket, Larry better be wearing a Harley t-shirt. There better not be a suit or a tie on that man. Shouldn't be. I can't tell you how many funerals I've officiated. I can't tell you how many others I've attended, but you never want to see. I don't at least. I never want to see somebody's dead body. I still remember one Sunday after church going to visit a lady that was in hospice, and we and we get there down in Palm Bay, and Valerie walk in, and we tell the receptionist we're here to see uh, this lady, and they just gave us the weirdest look. And I said, "I'm her pastor." She said, "Okay." Did the family call you? I said, "Well, not today." I didn't know she just died. So she had to go ask the family, and they said, oh, of course, you know, bring him in. And So we go, and they're all sitting outside on a porch, and we sat there and talked with them and prayed with them and prayed for them. And then they asked the question, do you want to go see her? And, you know, no. No, I don't. I'd rather remember her. <laughs> I'd rather remember holding hands with her and praying with her. I'd rather remember all her funny things she used to do in Bible study. I'd rather remember her prayers. I'd rather remember seeing God change her heart and change her life. I'd rather remember watching her faith being expressed even when I didn't get it. But, you know, you go and you're sitting in a room and it's just not a pleasant thing. No matter how much you love somebody, it's just not a pleasant thing. So Jesus clarifies it with the disciples and says, no, Lazarus is dead. Come on, let's go see him. (laughs) But don't miss what he said before that. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. What did that mean to those guys? Let's see. We know Jesus is really good friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his bro- two sisters and their brother. 
and he knew Lazarus was very sick and didn't go see him. Now, maybe he didn't go because he was afraid, you know, getting arrested or uh, thrown in jail. We don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't go, but he didn't go. He didn't even seem ruffled about it. Now, he's telling us Lazarus has died. Now he wants to go back and actually says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you'll really believe. See, Jesus saw the bigger picture. They didn't have a clue what was going on. They didn't have a clue what was about to happen. They didn't understand any of it. But Jesus always sees the bigger picture. There are things we look at and say, I don't understand that at all. Why would that happen? Why would this be going on? What about this? What? We don't understand it at all. But Jesus always sees the bigger picture. When we recognize that, it helps us put more faith in him to know I can't see the bigger picture. He can. Last month when we went down to Hutchinson Island for our 38th anniversary, and I mentioned to you after that that we went to this house of refuge, one of 10 places that was built every 25 miles apart along the shoreline of Florida back in the 1800s, and this is the last remaining still operating house of refuge. And the men would live there with their families and look for wrecked ships. And they would walk, ten, was it eight miles on the beach, ten miles on the beach, back and forth, looking out for any ships that would have wrecked off the, the reef that's off of that part of South Florida. But they also had the tower, and they'd climb up in the tower and look from there. If I was standing on the ground and had any inkling that something may have happened, that there may be a ship out there, that there may be someone out there floating in the water, that there may have been a, a, a wrecked ship, but I wasn't positive, I'd climb up the tower and get a better view. If there was somebody up on the tower already, and I was on the ground, and I was looking, I'm not sure, do you see anything? I'd ask the guy in the tower, why? Because he has a higher view, a bigger picture than I would on the ground. That's the way it is with God. We're standing here on the ground. We don't see much. We don't understand much. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. We have no idea what's going on above the scenes. But God does. That's why we can trust him and trust his viewpoint. It's perfect. He has a perfect perspective. So Jesus says, this is about something bigger. And he even says it's for your sake. You guys, you guys that are following me, it's for your sake. So, verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let's go too and die with Jesus. How cool is that? Do you know, I can't tell you how many people I know that, that God disappoints them or does one thing they don't agree with or doesn't come through in the way they thought and they just want to turn away from God. Well, that's it. I'm out. These guys knew the cost. They had just said, are you sure you want to go back there? Remember, those are the guys trying to kill you. And he goes, yep, we're going back and something's going to happen and it's for your sake. And I love Thomas's response. Let's go to and die with Jesus. Can you imagine if all of us just in America, if all of us who proclaim to be followers of Christ, can you imagine if all of us said, let's die with Jesus? 
Let's die for Jesus. Let's do whatever it takes. Whatever he asks us to do, whatever the cost, whatever the... Let's do it. Let's do it. Can you imagine how radical that would be? Can you imagine how different our lives and faith would be and how different the world would be? I, I, I love this response. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary and their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that? God, if only you had done this, then that wouldn't have happened. I get it. She's really proclaiming her faith. If you were here, you're the miracle worker. You're the rabbi. You're the Messiah. If you were here, he wouldn't have died. If you had prayed for him, he wouldn't be dead now. I get it. And I'm sure I've treated God the same way. And said, if you had done this, then that wouldn't have happened, God. But notice verse 22. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, despite her loss, Martha didn't lose her faith. Despite her loss, my brother is dead. We were this close with Jesus. He could have healed my brother if he'd come earlier. My brother wouldn't be dead. He didn't. But she didn't lose faith. That's so valuable. That's so valuable because one thing we've seen through this series is people that even though things didn't happen the way they wanted them to, even though things didn't go well for them, they didn't lose their faith. We saw that. We saw that uh, from, from week one with Naomi and Ruth, that Naomi didn't lose her faith. She blamed God. She's mad at God. She's got all kinds of upset at the things God, she thought God had done to her, but she still didn't lose her faith. And despite her loss, Martha didn't lose her faith either. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he'll he'll rise when everyone else does at the last day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die die and then he asks the great question do you believe this martha do you believe that everyone who lives in me believes in me will never die he didn't mean never die physically but he meant that after we die physically we still have eternal life that we get to live on forever with him and he said do you believe this Martha. Now she'd already said, I believe you could have healed him. I believe that anything you ask can happen. I believe. But then he said, do you believe this? Let me ask you the same question this morning. Do you believe this? Despite the circumstances. Despite what seems like unanswered prayer. Despite times that seem like God wasn't there or didn't come or didn't respond or didn't do what you'd hoped he would. Do you believe in him? Not just here, 
but hear. If you believe in him with all your heart. Martha's got a great answer. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If, if, if. It's so easy to blame God. So easy to blame God. If you had, if you hadn't. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Listen, Jesus' heart breaks over the same things that break our heart. His heart breaks over a lot of things that don't break our heart. Uh, like our sin breaks his heart. It should break our heart. But the things that we see in this world, you know, people say, how could something like that happen to an innocent child? How could there be a God that would allow that to happen? We're assuming God is in heaven going, go sin, go terrible people, go do all these terrible. No, it breaks God's heart, too. It breaks God's heart to see the things that go on in our world. But he's given us that freedom. Sin. He's given us the freedom to sin. We're allowed to do it. He wishes we wouldn't. We'd be so much better off if we didn't. But he's given us that ability, that choice that Adam and Eve made. And and, and they made the wrong choice. and, And we're still infected by it today. And so this is a broken, sinful world we live in. And broken, sinful things happen. It doesn't mean they happen because there's no God. It doesn't mean they happen because God doesn't care. God cares very much. And his heart breaks His heart breaks over the things that break our heart. Where have you put him? Jesus asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Notice verse 35. Then Jesus wept. If you're ever on a game show, and they ask, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why was he upset when he got there? His friend was dead. Why did he cry? His friend was dead. Now, he knew what was about to happen. He knew it was all under his power and his authority. But he cared about his friend. He cared that they were all in sorrow. He cared about Mary and Martha. They were hurting because they just lost their brother. He cared about all the friends. He cared about them. And he wept. He cares deeply about his friends. John 15, 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That that, that we, when we follow Christ, when we obey Christ, we are his friends. We get to be counted friends, close friends, just like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The people who are standing nearby says, see how much he loved him. That's awesome. But then some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? When we complain, 
about Jesus not doing what we think he should do. We're assuming that we know better than him. Well, couldn't your God do this? Well, why could, why this? When we blame God, when we blame God, couldn't you have healed that guy? You did all these other things. Why couldn't you do this for me? Why couldn't you do this for my husband, for my wife? When we blame God, we're, we're assuming that we know better than he does. Verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone. What's he mad at? I don't think he's mad at them. Is he mad at death? Is he mad at death? Is he, is he mad knowing that that's where he's headed? And even though it had to happen, if you remember, he said, Father, if there's any other way, let's, let's choose option B. But there wasn't. Roll away the stone. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. <clears throat> Yesterday I read, Valerie, the Geneva Bible, 1599, Geneva Bible. And it said, Lord, the, the man who is deadeth stinketh much. It was like, I just, it was hilarious. It was hilarious unless you were there. <laughs> and I had to smell the dead guy. See, here's logic. Okay, you don't want to do that. We didn't, you know, we didn't take him down to the funeral home and he wasn't embalmed and he, you know, you don't want to do that. He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. But look at Jesus' response. Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believed? Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believed? Jesus is saying, don't pay any attention to what is logical, normal. Oh, a dead man. He's dead. He's been dead for four days. And, and this wasn't like in The Princess Bride. Well, he was mostly dead. You know, it's not from that. This is He's dead. He was really dead. Really, really, really dead. They rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and, and listen to what he says. Listen to this prayer. It's so fascinating. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud. Isn't this cool? I said it out loud. God, you, yeah, we're one. We get it. They don't get it. So I'm saying it this way for them. I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they will believe that you sent me. Jesus says, I, I, I want them all to believe. God, you know, I don't have to pray out loud to you. I'm doing it. I'm saying this prayer for these people so that they'll believe in you, so that they'll know this, what's about to happen is from you, so that this will give you glory. See, his mission here on earth was to draw people into an eternal relationship with him. That's why he came. That's why he cared about the downtrodden. That's why he, why he cared about the outcasts. That's why he hated the religious people and all their hypocrisy. That's why he wanted people to have a relationship, not religion, a relationship, not just a bunch of rules, a relationship, an eternal, precious, life-saving relationship with him. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Jaden, what would you think if you were at a funeral? Somebody had died four days before. You're at a funeral. And somebody walks up to the coffin and goes, hey, wake up. Like, what do 
Don't you love? We read this stuff, and if you've been in church before, you just say, "Yeah, that's what he said." This was wild. This was crazy. Can you imagine? Hey, Laz, come on, buddy. I'm here. This was crazy stuff. Everything Jesus did would have been absolute lunacy if he wasn't Jesus. Anybody else did this stuff? You and I did this stuff? Circles of care wouldn't have enough rooms to contain us all if we did this kind of stuff. But it wasn't lunacy because he really was the Messiah. He really was God in the flesh. And so he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Is that awesome? This really happened. Really happened. My friend Ralph Nygaard, Ralph's the pastor right across the street of First Baptist of Ogali. He, he He's over in the Holy Land right now. Ralph keeps posting stuff on Facebook. And he's, he's like, there. Oh, that's where that happened. Oh, this is where this happened. Oh, that's where this sermon. Oh, that's where. How cool. I've never gotten to go. Jesus had it all under control. That's why he doesn't have to rush. That's why he doesn't freak out. He has it all under control control. Martha's prayers were answered, but they weren't answered in her time. See, Martha prayed, help my brother Lazarus feel better. He didn't. Martha prayed, please get this message to Jesus in time that he'll be able to get back here and pray for him and heal him. Didn't. Jesus shows up four days later. Thanks a lot. Martha was a devoted believer. But her prayers weren't answered when she wanted them answered. But they were answered in perfect time. Lazarus' story wasn't over, was it? And neither is yours. Neither is yours. One last verse, verse 45. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. That's why Jesus did it that way. He could have gone. If Jesus had gone, when he got the note, Lazarus is very sick. If Jesus had said, let's go, guys, and had gotten there and had prayed for Lazarus and Lazarus had gotten up and felt better, we wouldn't be reading about it today. Wouldn't have made the Bible. Oh, Jesus prayed for his friend who was sick? Nah, wouldn't have made the Bible. If he had just gone and prayed for his friend who was sick and he felt better... Nobody would have been talking about it. No one, because of that, would have placed their faith in Christ. No one would have said, now we do believe you are the Messiah. Jesus did it the way that he did it because he wanted people to believe. He wanted people to come into that intimate, personal, eternal relationship. Lazarus' story wasn't over. Some of you are praying and praying and praying for stuff. Your story's not over yet. It's not over yet. We can't give up. We can't give in. We can't turn away. We've got to believe. 
We've got to do what, what Jesus wanted these people to do. It's what he wanted his closest followers. Remember, he said, I'm doing this for your sake. He wasn't saying that to the crowd. He was saying that to his closest followers. Come on, guys, I'm doing it for your sake. Why? They were his disciples. You think they didn't believe in him? Not enough. He wanted to grow their belief, their understanding, their faith in him. And then he did it publicly. Here's all these people from this nice Jewish family with all of their Jewish friends and relatives all coming over to console them. And they all followed Mary out to the cemetery. They all went out and they all saw Lazarus come back to death. And many of them believed in Jesus because of that. That's the bigger picture. The bigger picture is Jesus does love us. He does care about what we're going through. He does know exactly what we're going through. He knows the big picture. He knows the end result. But he wants to do bigger stuff than we can even imagine. Please remember for the rest of your life, your story's not over yet. Your story is not over yet. Now here's the hardest thing. I'm so glad we did the song that Brent chose for our first song today. Here's the hardest thing. If Lazarus didn't come back from the dead, Jesus is still Jesus. God is still God. Because he doesn't answer all the prayers that we want the way we want. If everybody, if, if nobody died, can you imagine? We think the world's overpopulated. It's not, but we think the world's overpopulated. We'd really think that if nobody had ever died. They have to die. It's, it's part of life. It's part of God's creative plan as we live, we die, and we have the opportunity to live again forever with him. If everybody got healed, nobody would ever die. Dear friends of ours, several years ago, got involved in a, a, a diet called the, what was the Hallelujah Diet? And their idea literally was to go back and eat and live the way people did uh, uh, from the garden prior to uh, eating meat. And, and so they, they literally thought there will be no more diseases. If we go back and do this, it was like they were trying to reverse the curse. But we can't reverse the curse. The, 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 we can't do that. And, and I, I always wanted to ask them, okay, if you guys really believe this, like if we go back and eat this way and do this, we won't get sick, we won't die. we got to die. It can't live forever. Not here, not in these physical bodies. And so not everybody, even if it's your spouse, even if it's your loved one, you know, sitting there with Kathy and I couldn't go. That When Bob was in his surgery, I couldn't get out of bed and Valerie went down to be with her. But Kathy, if Bob hadn't, come out. God is still God. And he's still the only one to follow. He doesn't always do things in this miraculous way like we've seen here. He doesn't always do it that way. But he's still God. And there's no other. There's nowhere else to turn. We've probably all already tried all those places I have. Blessed be your name. You give, you take away. Sometimes he does do miraculous things like what we see here. Sometimes he doesn't. He's still God. We've still got to trust him. We've still got to follow him. All the stories in our lives don't end as good as this one did. He's still God. He's still in charge. He still loves us. He still cares about us. He's still worth following with every ounce of our energy and every day of our lives. Let's pray.
Father God, 